All right, everybody settle down. Y'all need to come on back in and find your seats. You just like each other too much. Jim Newsom commented on that when he was here last week. Jim Newsom, he looked around after about 10 or 15 minutes. He says, don't these people ever go home? I said, no, not as long as they're enjoying talking to each other. And apparently they enjoy talking to each other. So it is wonderful to see God's people um, enjoying each other's company and conversation and encouraging each other and praying for each other. Um, we just got word that um, Kelly Pody's mom um, is, I think, in the hospital. Sean, where are you? Yeah, Sean, Sean just, he's taking uh, Kelly down to attend uh, to her mom. So we need to add her to our prayer list, and we'll put something out on the church email about that. If you're not on the church email list, send an email to alcmountjuliet at gmail.com. That email address is in the bulletin, and just put something in the subject line or in the body saying, please add me to the prayer list. And that way we will send you prayer requests so that you can join with everybody else here in prayer. Thank you for my brother, Adam. Thank you for your hand on his life, the ways in which you have led him and taught him and uh, given him a measure of your wisdom. Pray you would use him this morning to bring the word, bring the message that you want us all to hear. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Well, there's a few, <laughs> a few observations I've made this morning I want to share. This is not prepared statement time yet, um, but just some things I feel like the Lord showed me. One, I realized seeing all those really young people leading worship, who did a great job, by the way. Um, thank you. But, but seeing all these really, really young people, and then it made sense to ask me up here having another really, really young person speak. So um, at least that's what I'm going with despite the gray beard. Um, <clears throat> Another observation, uh, and we've already pointed out, there's victories here. There's a lot of prayer that's need, being needed, um, still needed. Um, but it's always fun to point out the victories too, right? We already pointed one out. Your pastor's here this morning. Um, but there's some others. Billy, Paul, and Cheryl, they got the bug. And here they are looking healthy. It's good to see y'all. Seth, looking good back there. That's a victory. The other Seth, victory, and we're waiting for more victories coming. We're going to keep praying. Um, so it's always good to, to see a win, right? And to point out the wins. The wins is sometimes that, that helps you keep going, let you know God's still moving. He's still healing. He's still in the business of, of taking care of us. And so it, these are ways to remind us of that so we don't forget. So amen to victories. Um, I want to talk today about accountability, authority. And so I figured, what, what better to start with, with a good joke. What is the highest religious authority among oranges called? Oranges, yeah, it's called the pulp. If you think it's just me, Cook's Methodist down the road today had a sign that said, the forbidden fruit brings many jams. So I'm not the only one with uh, poor, poor joke taste. 
And then there's the one where the Pope's riding in the car and he says, you know what? I haven't driven. I want to drive. And the driver's like, I'm not going to tell the Pope he can't drive. So, okay. So he gets in the car and then the Pope just takes off so fast and gets pulled over. The police officer calls dispatch and says, I've got this guy. He's so important. I don't know what to do. And they says, well, who is it? Is it the mayor? He said, no, this guy's way bigger than the mayor. He said, is it the governor? No, he's way bigger than the governor. The president? No, he's way more important than the president. Well, who do you have? He goes, well, I'm not really sure, but he's so important. He's got the Pope driving for him. <laughs> you got the Pope driving for you, you somebody. So I always feel like when I come up here, I'm speaking on something that may seem basic almost or non-revelation. Um, but as it's been set up here a lot, we leak. And I'm also speaking out of my heart because of things I've seen and things I'm seeing on a daily basis. Um, I, I joke about being really, really young. I don't know if y'all know this, but I'm not really, really young. Um, but I'm not really, really old. And, uh, but I've been around long enough that I've seen a few things. And I've seen some things that have, has shaped what I believe. Um, and I, I want to share that today. Uh, one thing, I think there are three major things. Now, I think there's a lot of things that are needed for a solid and consistent walk with Jesus. But there's three major ones I want to point out. One is a regular prayer slash Bible reading life. And I put those together because to me a lot of it goes in hand in hand. You're praying and you're reading and you're praying and you're reading. Um, but I think having that in as a regular daily life is important. Um, regular teachings from biblical teachers. I think we to get the instruction, you know, the scripture talks about receiving the instruction. And third, I think regular communion with other believers is vital. And I'm going to get into that as we go. Um, but I really want to focus on the accountability part of this. Uh, it, it's important because accountability removes the element of isolation from our walk as a Christian. Scripture says we're best suited to walk out our days with a companion and that having two companions is even safer. Now, that being said, obviously our primary accountability partner is Jesus. Um, but we need, we need more. Um, if you will, turn to Titus two, chapter 2. I use this scripture in weddings, um, but I think it's applicable what we're talking about, and it's applicable in, in weddings. Um, Titus chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 2. If I can find my Bible. There we go. And I'm doing, I'm reading, excuse me, out of the English Standard Version. And it says, Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. I had trouble saying that last week. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves too much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and your teaching. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters and everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. Not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. In fact, I'm going to also go to 1 Peter 5. I wasn't planning on doing this, but let's just look at that. If you go to 1 Peter 5, 
or jot it down. Um, that was Paul talking to Titus, encouraging Titus to lead, lead by example, lead by faith, lead, you know, and, and encouraging uh, others to, to walk with them. And here Peter does something very similar. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to get to... Verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So Peter's sitting there telling, encouraging younger people, submit yourself, subject yourself to older people. People that, like I said, been around. You, know, you, you want somebody that's been around the block a little bit. Um, and so... Paul is telling Titus, basically, in a, in a, if I'm going to condense it down to one sentence, two are better than one. Ecclesiastes expounds on this. 4, 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So we know right away, two is better than one. In Luke, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. That's our best example. Jesus himself saw that it was best to send the, his, his men out two by two. Not one by one, not by themselves. He didn't say, all right, you're out, good luck. He sent them out in pairs. And so we already know, very plainly, that two are better than one. I mean... Adam had a relationship with God that I don't know many of us will ever have known or will know until we get to heaven. And yet, in that moment, God says, you need, you need somebody else. It's not good for you to be alone. So even in, in that great relationship that Adam had, there still needed to be a partner. And so we got to recognize, first and foremost, two are better than one, and that we're not to meant to be walking this out alone. Now, some of the reasons for accountability is... it. It also makes us better people. Now, if we're, uh, let me back up. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Based on just psychology, we know that accountability helps people accomplish their goals in virtually every realm of their life. Um, when I work, I have a project manager that handles things and she and I talk on a regular basis. And a lot of times she's I call it a checklist. She's going, all right, where we're at with this? Have you done this? Have you done this? And she's not necessarily checking on me, trying to make, you know, get on to me. She has a checklist. The whole point is that we can make sure things get done. Then we pass it on to the customer. Here's where we're at. Here's what we've done. And so everything is held in, in, in accountability. That way, I, you know, if I, have to, if I end up coming back, because I know sometimes I don't really want to do whatever XYZ job I got. But I'm like, well, she's going to call. She's going to ask where I'm at. And I got to give her something. I can't just say, you know, I didn't feel like doing it today. If I didn't have her, I probably, you know, I may not. I don't know. But it's good to have her checking on me, checking in, right? But biblical about accountability goes much deeper than that. That's, that's a kind of a surfacey thing. Because biblical accountability is, goes deeper than it's just practical and self-improvement benefits. It means living out our relationships as communal creatures in God's image. You see, accountability keeps us on task. Biblical accountability lets us stay on task with the Lord and lets us commune with him better and, and more often. Um, it's good to have somebody to 
walk with, talk with. Um, Proverbs twenty eight thirteen: Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And that is important for integrity, integrity between ourselves and others. And sometimes, for me in the past, is when I've had close friends and we, we would pray together. And, and you know, I'm thinking of one instance with Keith Leahy many, many years ago. He was talking about just some things he was struggling with. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm with you. And I instantly felt better. He got better because we both knew, okay, we're dealing with the same struggle right now. We can pray together. But we also know, one, we're not alone. And two, God's hearing our cries because we're both together talking about it. And so it's good to have that relationship. It's good to have that. But it's also good for the integrity because, you know, if you're being attacked for something you know is not on you, you know, which has happened to me as well, uh, I learned that uh, truth will come out. And I didn't have to bring it out. I just stayed quiet. I stayed true. And I had people that were willing to defend me if need be. And it's because they knew, because I, the walk that I had with them. Um, accountability reflects the image of God. I, I mentioned this earlier, but Genesis 2.18, Then the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And again, I mean, Adam had a relationship that... I, I, I can't grasp right now, but, you know, and yet it's still, he needed Eve. So God recognized in that moment he needed a helper. Um, a good walk with accountability connects us with the body of Christ. It puts us as part of the organic body. Uh, it, it weaves us into everyone. We're, we're all connected in some way, right, through the, through the accountability walk. And uh, the last thing I want to point out about it is it sets us free. There's a freedom to walk with others in accountability. I mentioned earlier, you know, when people attack, and I've been attacked very recently, in fact. Um, I, went to, I went to different men, several men, and just said, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. And they were able to encourage me, pray with me, uh, give me direction. Um, and it let me, it took some weight off because I walked away going, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? And afterwards, after all these conversations, everything was could be released because I could recognize, all right, here's what I need to change. Here's where I'm doing well. And there's a freedom in knowing where I'm at and how things are going and what I need to do. And so there was a weight lifted that came right off of me once I was able to get that direction and get that uh, godly counsel. And so there's a freedom. I was free. I was free to not worry. I was free to not... Uh, have anxiety over these things, but just know, you know what? One thing I can walk away from my, my situation is God's in control. God's doing something. He's speaking. He's moving. And I don't have to make it happen. I would have not gotten that peace without the council. I would have not gotten that peace without my brothers. I would have uh, not gotten that freedom um, without that. I, it, I would still be anxious and worried and all that. So that set me free directly. Um, so what does it look like in what I call biblical accountability? First off, it must be based on what scripture tells us with regards with how we interact with each other as Christians. Um, I teach a class or I've taught, I shouldn't say I teach, I've taught a class in the past on hearing the voice of the Lord. And there's ways we say that you test it to know that if it, if it, is the Lord. Now, I always have to stress, we're not saying test the Lord, but we're testing whether the word is from the Lord. One of the, the very first thing is, is it scriptural? It's got to be based on scripture, right? Um, 
if it's not based on scripture, you can basically throw it out the window. And the other one, another one is, is it's God's nature. And we know God's nature from scripture. Um, but the third one is do other believers confirm it? And there are times where I feel like I've gotten a word from the Lord. I felt like it was scriptural. It was lined up with who God says he is. Uh, and yet, you know, other people are like, you know, I don't think time's right yet. I don't think this is the time. And so I, I took that direction, kept my mouth shut, and looked back later and was glad I did. Because the timing wasn't there. And again, I don't get, if, I, if I don't have that counsel, I go out and say things that are, the timing wasn't right. It wasn't that it was bad. It was that there was, there was a certain timing that God had in place, and that, that wasn't it. And so we, we need to lean on each other for that. We lean on each other for guidance and direction. Um, it must be grounded in a desire for truth and for life to be lived in the light. Um, and I think that's vital because God's going to bring things out to light one way or the other. We can do it or he can do it. And I'd rather me do it because if it's me, then it's not as painful. So, you know. and, uh, and that was my heart. Through this time, I just asked, Lord, just bring it, bring it to the light, you know, whatever it may be. Because we can deal with things in the light. Things can be dealt with. Things can happen. Um, but is our desire to have it in the light because we want somebody exposed or do we want out in the light so that they can be healed? Because we got to do it in love. We're to speak truth in love. Our, go- our goal in dealing with each other should be that we're all looking to God. Um, I've been corrected God- in godly manner, and it's, it's turned me towards God. And I've been corrected with that wasn't a godly manner. And I can say I didn't act, act godly back. Um, I'm as transparent as this thing sometimes. Uh, but it's just the truth, you know, when, when you, you can tell. And I, I mean, I, I know. I can tell when someone's giving me a direction because they're mad at me and they want to fix me or they want to, you know. And I, I, you, we all know, right? We've all been there. And you know right away, like, they're not trying to help me. They're just trying to make a point. And I've had people come to me with a heart of love to say, look, this is what's happening. This is where you're headed. And I'm like, you're right. It's there. We know. And so when we're walking with our brothers and our sisters, we got to ask ourselves, especially if it's a tough talk, are we doing this because we want to see them set free and see them in light? Or are we doing this because we want to fix them and correct them? And we got to do it in love. We got to do it with a mindset of, um, I want them set free. I want to be set free. For me, what, what I'm describing works best organically. Now, that doesn't, that's not to say that's the only way. But to me, for me, it's the best way. When Aaron and I were engaged, uh, we were already friends with several people, but we got really tight, and it wasn't something that we tried to do. But we got very tight uh, with a couple, uh, Keith and Wendy Sewell, and they were married probably two, three years at the time, so they were still freshly married. And what helped us, at least for me, was Keith having still a fresh mind of what it's like to be a newlywed, being married um, six, you know, six months on, whatever. And the things you deal with early in a marriage, he was able to just provide just nuts and bolts things. You know, like don't get mad when she does this. Y'all had, you know, she's never lived with you. It's going to be different. You know, don't get mad when this happens. She's going to do this, and you're going like, why is she doing this? And when we got married, everything he said started happening. Right? <laughs> I started thinking, what is she doing this for? But I remember Keith's direction saying, don't don't sweat those small things. You're going to grow together. You're going to learn together, and it'll get better as you go. And I do believe our first year of marriage was better than it um, could have been. Could have been a lot worse. 
And I think it was very good because of direction and, and the, the, the leadership we got. Um, and then as that relationship changed, we got friends with other people, and they were raising kids. And I remember thinking, I like how those kids are. I want my kids to be like those kids. And then before I know it, I was friends with those people. And I just soaked in what they did as parents as they did. I had no kids at the time. While it soaked in, I thought, okay, let's start seeing what's working. That worked. That didn't. Right? And so they were walking in a, I was walking under them in a way that I was learning from them. Even though I wasn't in the place yet, I was storing up that knowledge and storing up that wisdom. And so, and then those relationships changed. Not that, you know, none of those have ended, but they, the nature of those relationships have changed. And in those times, and, and, and what I've noticed is every time that those relationships kind of cease to exist in that biblical accountability arena, God always had somebody else step right in. And I, need, I, I can look back and see it, but at the time, obviously, I didn't know. Um, but God always put somebody there. When Aaron and I were in Georgia, we spent, for some of you may not know, in, in what was it, 04, 05? We were there, 04, 06, something like that. Um, almost been 20 years. We were full-time missionaries at an organization called Adventures and Missions. And we lived in Gainesville, Georgia, and we both led different uh, groups in that ministry. Um, and it was, a, it was an interesting time. Uh, but we, we were surrounded by Christians, right? Our job, I went to the office, and part of what we did at our office was we got together and had a prayer time at the beginning of the day. And I thought that was so cool, right? I mean, that's great. I could start each day with believers, and, you know, we'll, we'll get going. And, um, and so everything around us was with that mindset, which is great, uh, except there is, a, there is something that can, neg- I know you're going to think, how, what can negative can come out of that? What happens is you can easily get very haughty. You get very, uh, hi- think highly of yourself. You know, I'm a full-time missionary. I'm doing what God's called us to do. And these guys in these offices, they don't get it because they're not as good a Christian as I am because I'm praying every day with other believers and you know, it's easy to get that mentality, and even worse. Um, but there was a man that I, Aaron and I submitted to. Now, this one I wouldn't say was organic. I go against what I just said. Um, but we, we recognized the Curtis Foreman was a man that lived down the road, and we made it a point to have regular relationship with him, whether it be lunch, one of once a week, some, we'd see him at church. There was a pastor there, John Duke, and, and we listened to his teachings. And I, I love John Duke. He was a wonderful man. Um, but there was a connection with Curtis. And so Curtis was the one who I would consider to be my pastor during that time. Um, and I always joke. I, I preached at that church one time, and I said, I think Brother Curtis's main job is to keep me humble. And he does a dang good job at it. Um, but it wasn't, that, it wasn't that he pulled me to the side and says, look, here's where you're being dumb. Here's where you're being smart. Here, you know, it wasn't none of that. What it was was me sharing my heart with Curtis and Curtis sharing truth. And I was willing to accept the truth. And he, most of the time, in fact, I don't think he ever pointly directed to me and says, look, you don't need to do this, X, Y, Z. He was just speaking God's truth. And it was hitting me and hitting Aaron. And I think, well, no, I don't think. I know that that's what kept us grounded during those years and kept us thinking too highly of ourselves and recognizing that anything we do it's because the Lord's doing it, and we just get to play a part. And uh, 
if you ever get a guy like Curtis Foreman in your life, man, soak it up. Um, he's an awesome man, and uh, I, I, I do credit him and the God that is in him to, to keeping us on the right walk during that time. Because um, like I said, it's easy to get a little high on yourself. But like I said, he did it because he was just speaking truth. He was just being who God made him to be. And that's, that's to me, the biggest part of everything I'm talking about. It's not about trying to make a point, point a finger, trying to direct. It's about living a, a, a regular godly life together. Um, James Owens is a guy I talk to, and I, what I enjoy about James and I, we can talk about basketball, and we can transition to what Jesus is doing, and then switch to football all in 30 minutes. And none of it's different, right? None of it's like, hey, let's talk basketball. Oh, yeah, this is great. Now let's get serious for a moment and talk about the Lord. No, it's just part of our conversation. It's part of our life. And in those conversations, we're sharing things and we're you know, encouraging each other and then turn around and complaining about LSU's football season, right? And none of it seems different. None of it seems odd. None of it seems weird because it's just what's coming out, right? And so I appreciate my relationship with him because of that very thing, that I can have those conversations. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be, you know, we change to Christian mode and we get out of Christian mode. And we, you know, he's a guy I can relate to and talk with. Not necessarily a guy I would um, be friends with without the Lord's direction because he's kind of weird. Um, I can say that because he ain't here, but he's, on, he's watching. So you're welcome, James. He ain't here to defend himself. He'd say I'm weird. So, um, and so, and I, I believe Doug's the guy that's here. He, he's decided to keep me humble. So that's Doug's role. Um, he does a good job of it too. Um, but I'm just sharing. There's, there's some guys that I look at. I look at brothers. I look at guys that um, keep me directed. Um, and focused. Um, the enemy's first order of business is to, get, is to get us isolated. When he gets us isolated, then he can deceive us. And I say that because I've seen it. I've seen it over and over and over again. I've seen guys that I know. I've walked in Bible studies. I know what they know. And then later hear what they believe once they've gotten themselves out of church, out of uh, regular meetings with brothers. And I'm thinking, how in the world did you get there? And over time, I've learned it's because they did not have the biblical authority and the biblical accountability in their lives. And that's when the enemy can start messing with your mind. Now, I'm not talking about something dramatic like, okay, now I think God's bad and devil's good. Right? It could just be a little bit. And if you're walking, if the walk's this way and you're off by this much, you go, you go far enough, you're way off track. But it doesn't take something major. It doesn't take something monumentous change. It just takes enough to get you off track. You stay off that track long enough, and you're way off track. Um, Your pastor here likes to talk about Andy Griffith. My show is Star Trek. (laughs) Uh, Especially the next generation. That's the one. I've watched them all. I'm a big geek. I own it. Um, but there is an episode where at the end they realize the person they thought was supposed to be the one that's helping them find out, start, a, start an investigation. They find out she was the problem. She ended up being the problem because she was drumming stuff up. And she was making things appear like, that they weren't. And, and something Picard says at the end, I wish I could quote it exactly, which shows I'm not quite the fan of Star Trek that he is of Andy Griffith. 
is he just says it's not the enemy, the, the wily evil guy that twists his mustache that you got to watch out for. It's the ones that are just have enough truth to make you think they're right, but enough wrong to, to set you off. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, there's some truth in what you, you know, you, these guys were thinking, but, it, but once you start getting deeper, you realize they're way off. But it sounds good. And that, I think that's where I see people walk and start believing deception is because a lot of times, first, it sounds good. And two, it's usually rooted in elevating us as humans. You know, one of the beliefs was that God doesn't know what's going to happen next and that we need to help him. And it's our prayers that help to direct him. I mean, that's crazy. But I can see why someone would want to believe that because now it makes me more important. It makes me part of the equation in a, in a manner that obviously isn't right, but makes me elevated. And so I see why people believe that. But without the direction, without teaching, without someone speaking in your lives, that, that thinking starts to happen. Um, and I'm, you know, it's mostly guys, let's be honest, right? It's mostly guys that do that. We love to get isolated. We love to go hide in a corner and, you know, go into a cave, whatever it may be, and just hide out. And, you know, that's what we do. It's our nature for the most part. And there's, there's always exception to the rule, but that's our nature. Um, and so I appreciate when guys show up when they know, I, you know, or call when I, you know, when I need the talk or have a talk. And it's not about, again, in this instance, I'm not even talking about direction or correction. I'm just talking about being a brother, being there and recognizing there's a need and then feeling that need um, without being, have, you know, having to be led or directed. You just see it and you go do it. Um, because that's what helps keep us walking and, and keep us focused on what the Lord is saying, what the Lord is doing. Because at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. It's about keeping our walk with the Lord, uh, keeping our, our faith in him. In, in truth, again, in, in truth and not deception. Uh, and I, I'll say the same thing about biblical authority. I, I didn't get into that too much, but uh, the scripture we read talks about subjecting yourself or submitting yourself to the elders, to the leadership. And I'll always say, if you ever are under a, a biblical authority and they're making it about them, that's a problem. Biblical authority should always be t- pointing you towards the Lord, toward the scripture, you know, if they say, you know, not that I would necessarily cease by saying this, but if they say something to the effect of, don't worry about reading scripture, I'll tell you what it says, run. But if you see someone say, look, the scriptures say this, go read it, and then we'll discuss what the scriptures are saying. That's someone that's pointing you to the word, who is in essence pointing you to the Lord and letting you come to a walk with the Lord directly, right? That's the authority that you're wanting because when it's all said and done, it should be pointing to the Lord. All things point to the Lord. Everything we do should ultimately point to the Lord. And that's, that's the goal of, to me, biblical accountability, is making sure our walk is still with the Lord on a regular, daily basis with freedom and peace. And I, 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 just, I stress it because I've seen so many times somebody walk outside of that and they get so deceived and then so many things happen from there. And I encourage you, if you see that, start with prayer. Start with, I want to see them set free. Not, I want to see them fixed, but I want to see them set free by the hand of the Lord. And what can I do to, do to, to, to help that? Sometimes it's just prayer. Sometimes if you have the right relationship, it's to step in and have a conversation. And, you know, 
whatever the case may be, but that starts with you. It starts with you communing with the Lord and getting direction with him. But I, I'm seeing it so much. I'm seeing so many times people walk away. And this church service is not the end all be all. Notice what I said. I didn't say you have to go to church every Sunday, the, the major things. But it's hard to have those relationships without being a part of the body, right? It's hard to have those, not, it's hard to, to get the teachings. It's possible more now because of technology, but it's better to, to me, it's better to get the teachings in person. If nothing else, you can go ask the, the speaker, what do they mean? Or, you know, get some, some answers, some direction. Um, but it's, it's, I think it's very important to be a part but it's not just that. I mean, we talked today about all the things this, this church has, the men's meetings, the women's uh, Bible study, the men's Bible study, Doug's meetings on Tuesday nights, right? All of that is important, and all of that plays a part in what we're talking about, having that regular communion with our, each other, the regular reading of the scriptures, the regular prayer, and the regular uh, hearing from the Lord. And that happens with, with those uh, relationships, and then what happens? I'm, I'm sorry, in those meetings. But what happens is, in those, you develop relationships that you didn't know you may develop. You'll start getting to know somebody that you may not have necessarily gotten to know in another setting, and before you know it, you have them in your life talking football and Jesus and everything else. So make yourselves available. If nothing else, take this away. Make yourselves available to all the extra things that we have. Um, because that's where that's really where God really can can really set those relationships, build those connections, and then in essence, in, in that we can all walk the walk that God's called us to walk. And it starts with prayer with Him, and it continues with walking with each other, encouraging one another, lifting each other up, and keeping each other on task, and keeping each other focused on the, what the Lord is saying to us and what the Lord is wanting to do with us. Amen. I hope this is encouraging. I hope you got something out of this, and I hope that um, we all can identify. If you can't identify somebody that I've described now, start praying right now for somebody for God to put somebody in your life. I can guarantee He He will. I've seen it myself every time. Uh, like I said, when somebody walked out of my life that was in that role, somebody walked in. So if you don't have somebody in that role, pray that God puts that person in your life, and I guarantee you He will. Let's pray, Lord Jesus. I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your scripture. I thank you for your wisdom, your truth. I, I thank you that you do bring things to the light, whether it's painful or not. I thank you for that. I thank you for uh, doing that in order to set us free. You don't do it because you're mean or angry. You're doing it because you love us. And I just thank you for that love. I thank you for that willingness to not let us uh, be destroyed because you love us too much, that you're willing to, to expose whatever or show whatever. And I thank you for that. I thank you for your direction. I thank you for your, your faithfulness towards us. And I thank you that you provide others to walk with us, that we're not alone, that we're not in isolation, that we're not walking this out by ourselves, that we're walking with your people, which connects us to you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your mercy and your grace through all of this. I just pray that for those of us that have that relationship, that it gets stronger. And for any of us that do not have a relationship like what I've talked about today, that you provide that. That you bring people in, in their lives in order to walk with them, encourage them, and hold them accountable as needed. I thank you for your word. I thank you for everything you're telling us today. And I just thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.
I do want to finish with one thing I meant to say earlier, but I just another win to me. Uh, I made the joke. All the people on the stage were young, right? That's great. Um, the two guys up here, the, the plaid twins, um, young fellas, awesome. And it can be said that they're the future of the church, but I'm going to say they're the present. Um, but it shows that we're in good shape. We're in, we're in good hands and as, as we go forward. I'm excited to see these young people get more and more involved and do more. And uh, I, I, it's good. So be encouraged. Don't, I hear people say, oh, the church is, oh, the young people are leaving. They're not. They're looking for truth. And then they're going to they're gonna be a part of teaching us that truth. Amen. Thank you. Be dismissed.